Welcome to the New Author Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Evanoff and Lindsay Evanoff. The super siblings will take you through their days as they write, publish, and market their books. They'll talk about their successes, their mistakes, and everything in between. And occasionally, they'll veer off into tangents that will most likely be discussion of which episode of The Office is their favorite. Seriously, they talk about The Office a lot. So sit back, relax, and prepare to be educated and entertained, but mostly entertained. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New Author Podcast. Today is March 27th, 2022. This is episode number 158. And I will say, boy, for me, it has been, and I believe the kids say a week. Is that what they say? I don't know what kids say now. Yeah, something like that. You're, yeah. you're in a college town. Do kids say that around you? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Um, uh, it's it's going to be fun to describe this week. Uh, with me, as always, uh, is my co-host, Rich Casey. Rich, how about your week? How are you doing today? Oh, things have been great here around Chateau Casey. I mean, the weather has been beautiful. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't have vineyards outside my window. Oh. I just have grass that pretty soon is going to need to be mowed, but, you know, such as life in the South, you have to deal with yeah. it. It'll get all burned out by June and we won't, we won't have to worry about it. I, I woke up this morning and uh, I assumed I had grass, but it was covered by two inches of snow. So it was <laughs> wonderful. It's wonderful in Ohio in, in March. So um, we had 67, 68 degree weather two weeks ago. It teased us for a while and then took it away from us. So it's good weather to catch a cold in. Oh, yeah. Amen to that. Um, all right. Let me get into my stats because my stats are kind of fun. I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this. Uh, I'm going to try to create teases and, and cliffhangers as I go as a writer. I feel like that's what I should do. <clears throat> all right. Book one of the murder mystery. You'll notice I'm starting with book one of the murder mystery today instead of the science fiction because uh, that's the primary book I'm working on. It is up a whopping 7,115 words to 42,891. Now, don't get excited about the number of words that are in there. Those are not Hey, Jerry wrote three chapters and that's why he has said, no, just don't get excited about that. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, if we do have any new listeners this week, I just want to let people know I do have book three in my science fiction series started. It's about 65% of the way done. It's about 60,000 words right now. And I accidentally started book four while I was working on book three. I've got about 5,000 words in that one. So they are out there. And, and as soon as I get this murder mystery done, I'm back to my sci-fi series. I just needed a break from it. Um, Mailerlite. Okay, this is interesting. I'm up to, to 500, 859 and I have no idea why. The only thing that I can think of is that I have had a, had a bunch of page reads this month and I'm thinking that maybe people got to the end of um, the end of the, the uh, book and then they actually signed up for the, the newsletter. So that means I have to do a newsletter and that worries me a little bit. That could be, or they could also, as we will probably discuss a little bit later, running since we're running Facebook ads for the podcast, they may be checking out you on Facebook and finding their way to your website where you have a contact form as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of that, but it's it happened about the time that I started running those ads. So you might be right about that. Yeah, yeah because because I've been getting I've been getting hits like that on my both on my Facebook author page and I can't do it on my website since I don't have it up and running, but yeah, so people, yeah, there's a little bit of interest coming from places like that. Um, I wonder, I, I, I don't know if this matters too much for my like author career going forward, but I wonder if segmenting those, you know, put the Facebook people go, well, no, they all go to the website and they get it from the website. So I guess it wouldn't matter there. I would just be curious to know where they were coming from. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if we could tell. I don't, I'm not, right off the top of my head, I'm not sure how we would be able to identify that. Well, you know, I could differentiate the link in the back of the book from the website link to the newsletter. Um, True. Yes, yeah, so maybe that's a lot of work, though. I don't know if I want to go in and do that. 
especially after this week. Um, here's a, here's a new stat, something you guys haven't heard in a couple of whiles, uh, a couple of weeks. The number of Perry Masons on my DVR stands at four. Wow. Um, How did that happen? So I missed four episodes from season nine when I was recording this back at the end of last year and they were on last week and I hurried up and I hit, luckily I figured one of them out on the same day and I hurried up and I hit record on two of them, I think on Tuesday and two of them on Friday and I haven't had time to watch them yet. Um, but I have four Perry Masons on my DVR, which is those of you who have no, I don't know what I'm talking about. Go back about three to four weeks and start listening to the podcast then. And you'll hear me talk about Perry Mason all the time. Have you, uh, have you ever watched the old Ironsides? No, uh, I haven't. TV show because it's the same actor, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's Raymond Burr. I think that was a nickname yeah. of his, Old Ironsides, for a while. Yeah, it could be. I, yeah. and it was kind of. I thought it was the same thing, kind of a legal police procedural kind of show, but I'm not sure. Oh, I don't I just know. Re, I just remember the. Uh, I remember the title of it. And I think you know when I was a kid, I watched a couple episodes probably. I remember there was a, a episode of Cheers where somebody says to Woody. Hey, I hear old Ironsides here talking about the boat and Woody says Raymond Burr's in Boston. That's how I knew. That's how oh. I learned that he was called Ironsides. Okay. <laughs> TV is amazing. Um, okay. So last week's goal was to finish chapter eight completely and start chapter nine. I did not do any of this um, because I did something else. Would you like to know what I did? I sat down and completely plotted the entire book using the Udemy video on Sunday night. I sat there for about three hours and went through chapter by chapter. I went into the noveler, which is what I've been using now. And uh, I created a chapter for each one of them. And then I just wrote like a paragraph or two based on what the guy said from the video. And uh, it took me about three hours. And by the, when I was done, I was so happy. Um, and I'll get to the ending in, in, when I get to my week, but yeah. What, you know, if I had done that, by the time I got done with doing that, I would say, okay, story's done. I'm gonna move on to something else. Oh, see, I, I just- That's the problem with me and plotting. Uh, yeah, right. And see, now this is why I love plotting because I'm having so much fun this week. Um, but after I was done, I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulder. Like I know where certain, certain things are going to happen. I know who lives and who dies. I know what happens at the end, which I didn't like. And, um, and yeah, so I'm very happy. So that was, that was where a lot of those words came from is as I was putting them into my story grid, you know, 300 words in this chapter, 400, because they were all plot, it's all plotting stuff. That's why the word count went up 7,000 words because of all those extra words I added. Oh, and they will probably be used in one form or another. So yeah, that's yep, valid. I can see that absolutely. Yeah. So, so those are my stats. A little bit, little bit of some extra stuff this week, but those are my stats for the week. Okay. Well, for me, I'm uh, still editing on book one. Uh, it's currently at fifty nine thousand seven hundred twenty seven words. It's up two thousand seven hundred seventeen for the week. Plugging away at it, and that's actually a pretty good total number of words for me for this week because I didn't have a lot of time to write. Uh, not because I was necessarily busy doing other things; it was busy goofing off. For the most part, <laughs> nice. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm kind of uh, kind of at that spot now where I can almost see the end of the tunnel, and it's uh, a little bit easier to do the editing. I also find myself circling back to previous edits I've done and realizing that it's not really the in terms of the tone and the way in which things are presented, it's not exactly syncing up with what I'm doing now. So I have to go back and change some of that. So there's a little bit of back and forth going on, which is kind of holding holding the word count down a little bit, but you know, I'm already close to 60,000. I would be not surprised if this book ends up 65 to 70 K by the time did I'm you have a, it. did you have a target when you started that you were looking for? Well, yeah, I was, I was targeting around 60. I, I think that's pr a pretty good length for a mystery. I mean, they could be longer. They can be shorter. They can be a lot shorter. I mean, 40,000 word mysteries seem to be getting pretty common. Uh, 
for those who produce a lot. You know, they don't want to do the long books because they're trying to produce eight, 10 books a year. And, you know, there's no way I'm interested in doing that. You know, that's, that's about 175, 180 pages. I don't know if, if I saw a mystery and I was on Amazon scrolling and I saw one that only had 108 pages, I don't know if I would read it. I don't know if I would buy it singly, but if they were bundled in a box set, I probably would. Okay. Because okay. Uh, no one, number one in a box set, you typically, or at least I typically don't look at the page count for a box set. Um, and I'll talk a little bit later about the, the Florida coast series I'm reading right now, where all the books are under 200. Okay. And I don't think, or yeah, 200 pages. And I wouldn't have probably bought them individually. I did buy them as a box set. And they're snappy reads. You know, I can't can't fault it's it's really going back to the old um, pulp writers of yesterday. You know, where they get the stories out quick. They they're relatively short. They're consumable chunks for the readers. And you know, how you doing? Keep it moving, kind of thing. And they're um, and they're they're you feel like they're complete stories. It's not missing like like for example, you know, again, I go back to the story grid where I hear them talk about obligatory scenes and those things that have to happen in every story. You know, for the for the reader to like understand that it's a story. Do you feel those things are happening? Well, the the series I'm reading right now, I might as well talk about now, the, the Florida Coast Suspense series by uh, Lee McKenna. I've read books two and three of that this week. It's a 10 book series. I've got the first five in a box set. And again, they're all under 200 pages. Book two ended in another massive cliffhanger, like book one did that we talked about last week. But book three, not so much. So I wondered in the back of my head, if she had gotten some blowback while she was writing these from, from readers that these cliffhangers she was dropping were just too big of cliffhangers to end the book on, especially when she didn't have the other ones done yet, potentially for people to read. But the individual stories, even though they're short, they are complete stories. The plot in them is not terribly complicated. In fact, it's not complicated at all. It's very, it's very simple. What, she does do in terms of complication in terms of making an interesting read is develop the characters a lot and they're, and they're continuing to develop over the books so she kind of like me really focuses on character story and much less on the underlying plot although it is there because you really can't have a without plot right would so. you say that the um the characters are <clears throat> like if you were to read the series instead of developing the characters throughout the book, by the time the series is over, the characters have been developed all the way through. Does that make sense? Yes. That, well, that's basically what she's doing. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. There's I, Within each book, there's little character development. There's more of it over the books so far because the way she ends the books on cliffhangers really propels the characters into a new emotional state in the next book. Okay. So then that's the way she's pushing the overall arc of the story forward. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but she still has, she still has the little mystery bound up. It's not so much a mystery, it's a suspense story. So you pretty much know what's going on. There's no, no, nothing hidden, right. but it still makes it an interesting read. And the fact that they're fast reads, you could read one in you know four hours or less. Um, even if you're a slow reader. So, you know, that, that's the way she keeps it interesting. I think. Okay. Uh, but I really hope that she didn't, uh, that book three really decided to drop the cliffhangers the way in which she did because only because that she was getting blowback from readers. I hope that she, she changed it because she realized that it was not really serving 
a purpose for the story. I hate it when writers respond too much to readers. I mean, if you are, if you're a creative and you you think of yourself as creating art in some sense, then you need to create your art and then put it out there and let people react to it as they're going to react to it. Like Neil Gaiman said, uh, you know, just go out there and make good art. If you make good art and you make it long enough, people will recognize it as good art. And that's something that we as writers, I think, probably should strive for. But, you know, like it's also certainly valid if you want to be a widget maker and just <laughs> create those widgets and pump them out and get people to read them. That, you know, that's, there you go. There's, it's really two separate paths. The other stat I've got, as I kind of mentioned, I've read two books this week. Uh, the, the total for the year stands at 13 for 4,522 pages. I'm still reading Fight Like a Girl by Aiki Flintheart, but I'm only doing a few pages a night. I'm not really making a lot of progress, mainly because it is more of a nonfiction. Well, it is nonfiction, and it is more of a list of kinds of things you would see in characters that are in certain situations and from certain backgrounds. And while that's interesting, I just I can't personally consume a whole lot of that one time and stay uh, focused on what's going on. Father Brown, my big addiction right now. I discovered there's 100 episodes to date. And from all intents, from everything I can see, it is a continuing series. The so 10 episodes dropped in 2022, the beginning of the year. So this thing is ongoing. I've watched 23 episodes at this point. So I'm going to do a countdown every week of this, I've decided. So I've got what, 77 left to go. Um, so this is going to be a multi-month project. Tend to watch one a day. Sometimes I'll watch two. Usually around dinner, we have dinner and we sit in front of the TV and watch the show. It's kind of an interesting thing to do. I was watching something um, a couple days ago and they they did a, a advertisement for BritBox and they brought up Father Brown and what was the other one? Uh, uh, Sister Boniface. Sister Boniface. They brought both of those up and I was like, oh, I got to start watching. I got to get this Father Brown. I got to start watching this. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting. I also watched... Um, Start watching uh, Good Omens this week. I don't know if you've if you've uh, watched that or not or read Good Omens. Good Omens by uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Uh, it, it was it was a book. Neil Gaiman's the showrunner for for the show. It's on Amazon Prime, I believe. And I want to talk about that a little bit later because uh, the two two lead actors are Michael Sheen and David Tennant in the story. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, David Tennant, especially. And I love his career, David Tennant's career. I yeah, love David Tennant. And that's one of the things I want to talk about later when we when we get to some okay. of this stuff. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm excited. Number number of fountain pen inks is unchanged, and I've been lucky and haven't had any recent spillage. So nice. I'm doing Congrats. good. Congrats. Yeah. You need like a you need a big sign just to your your right that over your shoulder on the wall that says zero weeks since last spillage or something. Yeah, like that. actually, that's a good idea. Like <laughs> then we can put, like that. we can, we can record this and actually put it on YouTube. There you go. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about my week. Um, I mentioned Sunday, I sat and outlined the entire book. I remember saying during the podcast, boy, I really love to sit and just sit and outline this entire thing, but I don't think I'm going to. Well, I did. Um, it's one of those things where you get started and I just didn't want to stop. I, I had no sound on around me other than the, his, his uh, voice on the videos. I would run through the video and try to take notes. And then really, I wasn't doing much in the way of like applying it to my story. Although if he would say pre protagonist, I would, I would write Sam in there instead. Um, so 
or, or if he said antagonist, I would write Ben. So, um, you know, I, I did that. But other than that, I really, you know, if they said, hey, you need you need a clue here. You need to come up with a, a clue here. I would just write, you need to come up with a clue here. I wouldn't actually try to stop and come up with it. So I, I, I just kind of outlined it very loosely the entire night. Um, it, it, But well, here's something that actually I thought was really funny. He gave me the ending, the second to last chapter. I, I don't like it. Um, I'm going to spoil it here if no one cares. Um, in the end, the main character gets uh, critically wounded, but not killed. But the, 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 the hero gets critically wounded, not killed. And out of nowhere, some sidekick comes out and actually kills the bad guy. And I don't like that. Like I sat there this whole book reading, rooting for the good guy. And then boom, somebody else gets the kill. And I, I don't like that. So no, no. In fact, that goes against everything else I've ever read about the way you should structure a story and your main character's involvement in it. The main character should save themselves if they are in a position. To have somebody else saves them, it's a weird feeling in the reader's head about who was really the main character. What was the story really about all this time? And yeah, it's 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 a little bit Deus Ex Machina when yeah. you do that because if something's coming out of left field, even if it's a character that's already in the story, it just doesn't sit well. I don't especially think it sit my, well with me as a reader, especially if my character was in danger and now out of nowhere this person just come and, and comes out and gets it. It's like that that why did that happen? You know, right. like you said, and who's if, the who's the hero here? And in fact, I wonder if that's almost a mistake on his part, an accidental mistake, because typically in stories, you would see that flip the other way. The sidekick or secondary character, whether it's the guardian, the love interest of the main character, or just somebody that is truly a sidekick, uh, a friend or something, they're the ones that usually get saved by the main character as part of the defeating of the villain in the end. So in what fact, I'm the main gonna... character usually has to dig deep in order to de mm -hmm. defeat the villain. But the reason why they dig deep is because, because they want to save the friend, the lover or whatever. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep everything the same, except the sidekick that comes out and gets the kill isn't going to get the kill. In fact, they may get it themselves. I'm not sure yet, but they are going to wound the antagonist, the bad guy. And then I'm going to have the antagonist still be alive, still be going after who he's going after, and then have the hero actually get the kill just in time. You know, the yeah, whole, the that, whole thing. that so, sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. So, and uh, I was going to—I actually put in here to ask you: had, had you gone through um, uh, the the video to the end yet? Did you see any of this? No, I didn't go through it to the end. In fact, I've decided for this particular book that that was slowing me down too much, mm -hmm. and I'm just going to forget about it for right now. Write the story as it's already written because i've got the whole story written in draft form i'm not going to worry about changing yeah. i'm just going to go ahead right. and go with it and then I, I in between this book and the next book i'll take a day or two go through all the videos and see what i think about them okay. and, I, and if my past holds true to form i'll just pick out things here and there that i like and i'll ignore the rest right well i i, I think the other thing i'm going to do with it is i'm going to add a couple of extra scenes myself that that aren't in there that have to do with some of the sidekick characters just to give them more of a story because he doesn't really he only really does stuff with them when they're when they're needed which maybe that's the best way to do it but i need them in a couple more scenes so that in chapter 30 when this sidekick comes out he's not or she's not i haven't decided if it's going to be his his co-worker buddy or the policewoman that that i had written last week for him one of those two is because 
that one of them is she's going to be kind of a mentor. And in most of these, you know, big movies have the mentor get killed off. Usually it's like halfway through the book. I may do it near the end. I haven't decided yet. Um, or I just might have his buddy come out and do it. And then I realized I don't have to write them into book two if I don't want to, which is good because I don't think I want to carry all these characters over into book two. So if I killed one of them off, that might be a good thing. I think I've watched those videos up through nine or 10, something like yeah. 10 or 10. But one thing that struck me, I may have mentioned this a week or two ago, is if you write all the scenes that he says to write, when he just drops the word, you know, scene here, scene there, you're going to have 150 scenes yeah. in 30 chapters. You're going to have a 350,000 word book before you're done. So there's a lot of things he talks about in there that he, he discretizes, breaks up into chunks where I really think you can lump them together and do some of the things like what you're talking about. Yeah, there's there was one where he said, you know, hey, we're going to have this happen. This could happen over a couple of scenes. And I'm like, no, that's really just one. I don't know where you're getting two to three there. So, right, right. But I think that the good thing about that, though, is he's not real specific with it. And I think, as he said in the book, I think somewhere right around chapter 25, he pops in with his big face right in the camera. And he says, you know, so far, I've been giving you this overview, this giant overview from way up high. He's like, the reason I do that is because anybody that sits down and uses this is going to write a book completely different from somebody else who sits down and uses this. He goes, I don't want to get super specific because then these books are start to sound alike. So, um, right. Which is good. So, right. Okay. So the other thing that I did that night was I watched season one, episode four of murder. She wrote. So I have four episodes in the bag. Now there's a lot and I'm watching it slowly. And, uh, I, I actually really enjoy it. It's so corny. Sometimes it's cheesy, uh, but it's so much fun. Cause I'm a big Angela Lansbury fan. She did, uh, she did that Broadway play. Um, the, the, what is it? The demon, uh, of Barber street. What is that called? Oh, Sweeney Todd. So she did Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. Todd and she sings a song. I think I might've mentioned it last week called a little priest. And she's so good. And uh, I'm a big, I'm, just because of that song, hearing it on the Broadway channel on Sirius XM, I just like Angel Lansbury. So uh, I'm big fan. one of the things I thought about this week while I was watching these Father Browns was that I can't remember the name of the village that he lives in. It's like Hannafort or Hannaford or something like that. But I thought to myself, you know, this, this place in England is the risk of, of living in this area is even worse than living in Cabot. Cabot Cove. Yeah, because... Cabot Cove or Murder, She Wrote, you typically had a murder, uh, uh, an episode. Sometimes you'll have two or three in the Father Browns. So, yeah, it's a dangerous place. Why do people live there? Oh, no. it's terrible. Um, and then let's see, Monday, I, I work from home um, like usual. I did take the day off in terms of writing. I went out into my golf simulator uh, in the evening. It was really nice outside. It hadn't started snowing yet. Um, it was warm out. Uh, I watched episode five of Murder, She Wrote, season one, episode five. And then what I started to do now, now that I had it, the, the plot, all 31 chapters, I started to now, I added a, a column to my story grid called Follow the Evidence. And I, I went through all of his uh, areas in the plot where he mentions evidence. And then I started coming up with specific items of evidence based on my story and scribbling in them into the, the column in the story grid. So um, I went through and started doing that. And that took a little bit of time because you got to really be creative when it comes up, when it comes to this evidence, because it just can't be, I'll, I'll use the deus ex machina that you just used a little while ago where, oh, that's so obvious, you know, that, that makes complete sense or that that's what gives it away. You have to be secretive about it, but at the same time, it has to make sense at the end when all the clues are put together, the reader can go, oh yeah, I remember this, this, and this, and that makes sense that it's this character. So, <coughs> right. excuse me. Well, one thing I've seen in stories and what I'm actually doing in this particular story is instead of uh, 
having a piece of evidence that will eventually be tied back. There's multiple pieces of evidence, at least from the reader's perspective, and they don't know which are the red herrings and which are the ones that are really going to make sense in the end. So that's another way to, to put a little bit of complication into it so it's not so obvious what's going on. And I think I do have one piece, of, uh, one red herring that I've put in so far, but I really, you know, th I don't know if I consciously put any of those in there. I probably should do that. I need to go back and, and maybe throw one thing in there that can lead my my main character down the wrong path, um, something like that. So that's, yeah, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to, much like I do when I listen to you talk, I'm taking notes, just so you know. <laughs> All right. So red herring. Okay. Um, and that was kind of what I started to do now is I started to work on the evidence. I did that on Monday night for a while. Um, I can say that I took the day off in terms of writing, but apparently I didn't because I did some plotting in the evening. Tuesday, I was back to hothead. So when I started working on the evidence for the chapters that already existed, um, I couldn't help myself. And I know you said this last week, you could go through the scene over and over and continuously make them better. But like, what percentage better are you actually making it? Well, I went through and started doing that. I added 463 words to chapter one as I started working out the evidence. I described a gun a little bit better so that when it showed up later, it made sense. Um, little things like that. I know I did something with a printer. I'm just little things like that to, to make it better. Um, that night when I got home, I grabbed my laptop and sat on my couch and I did a little bit more plotting. I continued to follow the evidence through the end of the book, just to make sure I understood how all of those pieces of evidence travel around. Um, I started adding notes. So the chapters that I already written the first nine chapters. So the chapters I'd already worked on, I would go in and, and add the bracketed bold faced text that say, you know, when you go back to edit this, add this in there, or make sure the character references this just so that it makes sense later on in the book. Um, it's what it's seating, you know, that's one of my favorite right. things to do right. in a book. Um, and then later that night I watched uh, murder one Oh one, the locked room mystery. It was on the hallmark movies and mysteries channel. They made four of those murder one Oh one episodes. Um, Dick Van Dyke was like the main character. He was a, uh, professor at a college, I think in California. Um, I believe it's his son, Barry Van Dyke plays, uh, not his son, but someone who seems like his son. I think it's a, his dad was a friend of Dick Van Dyke's. Maybe his dad passed away. So this became, you know, his, his, you know, son, you know, in, in the plot itself. And this one actually had two more Van Dyke's in it. It had uh, Shane Van Dyke to, who played Barry Van Dyke's son, because in real life, he's his son also. And I didn't even realize it until just now when I looked Carrie Van Dyke, I don't know who Carrie Van Dyke is, but I'm sure he's related somehow. Um, whole bunch of Van Dyke's in the, in these movies. And they're really fun. They're like a, a Hallmark movie, a love story movie in terms of being formulaic, but Dick Van Dyke is fun. He always has been. So they were really enjoyable to watch. Um, when were these made? What kind of era are we talking about? They were made, I believe, I got one open in front of me on IMDb. So they were made in, it, this one, this was the last of the four and it, it aired in 2008. Okay, so Dick Van Dyke was already quite old then. Yeah, I think he was in his yeah. 70s at the time. Right. Okay. Um, when, I when think he's still around, it. isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's... Yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive he is. I can click on his name right here and I can tell you for sure. Um, gotta love the IMDb. I remember playing Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon when IMDb first came out. <laughs> Whoa, he is 97 and he wow. is still around, 90, 97. Yeah, good for him. 96. I got a quick question for you here on what, on what you said just a few minutes earlier. Uh, you talked about describing the pistol or the weapon that was, that was used a little bit better than what you had. How worried do you get about being accurate in the description of your weapons? that you use um the okay so i get really worried about that because all of i don't know how this happened i'm a computer nerd um all my friends are hunters 
I don't know how this happened. All the people that I have been friends with since I was in the, you know, the sixth grade who I'm still friends with now, they're all hunters. That's because you um, live in rural Ohio. That's probably what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was either that or other computer nerds, which I was friends with them too. So I mean, that's what it is. Um, but um, so I have a couple of buddies who I will just text and I will ask them, Hey, you know, what's the safety on this gun look like? So that I know when my character is going to shoot it, what he's got to do to make sure he can shoot it. So um, I, I do worry about it. In fact, I spent a good half an hour yesterday at Hothead reading about powder burns when you fire a pistol, because I wanted to make sure I got that right. And in reading that, I saw a lot of people say, pistols are loud. They're not like they are in the movies. If you shoot one and you're not wearing ear protection, you're going to hear a ringing sound for a while. Right. And I thought, Ooh, do I really, in that case, do I want to sacrifice the realism just so my story can move on? I don't want my character to be like, hang on, I got to put my ear, ear muffs in on before I shoot this, before I shoot you with this gun, you know? So I don't know what to do about that. Well, I mean, in that particular uh, example, if you're going to shoot somebody, you're not so much worried about your ears. There's a reason why you're shooting them at that but point that's true Either you're in danger or that's true but you have to deal then with what happens after that scene is over right that or what you can say to yourself is that you know 90 percent of the readers aren't going to know the difference that's probably what i'm going to say for some of this stuff but i wanted to get the powder burns thing right because it's a big piece of evidence uh later on in the book so um... well yeah something like that where that's going to be used as evidence you need to get right and you also need to get just a few things right to you know increase the verisimilitude of what you're what you're right. saying right. and you know the, if some things you gloss over readers will forgive you for that even if they do know yeah the, well the only description that i did yesterday for for the in chapter one was i put the the victim's initials carved into the side of the wood on the handle mm -hmm. so that later on when that gun shows up we know whose it is that's the only right. reason i did it i think about the only the only group of readers that don't forgive stuff like that are those that read uh military thrillers or military science, well, not military science fiction so much, because there you're creating your own weapons. But if you're reading military th thrillers, the kind of people that read those know about those weapons, and you know they'll call you on it. I'll tell you what, I, I am one of those people in terms of people who use computers to do stuff. Whenever someone says, hey, let me just search real quick, and then their hands go to the keyboard and they just type really fast, it, I get so annoyed. It takes me out of what I'm watching because that's not how it works. Everybody uses a mouse. No one just types on the keyboard and it drives me crazy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm never going to re review someone's book and give them one star because of that, because I understand the whole, um, what is it called? Like, let, you know, use your imagination, get rid of the realism for a yeah, little so while while you're suspension of disbelief. Yes. That right there. I know. Yeah. So I get that, but I know there are people who would complain. It drives me crazy. And every time, um, I used to love CSI when it was on originally. And whenever they would do like a fingerprint search, they'd be just typing on the keyboard. It's like, no, that's not how this works. But <laughs> yeah. So I, I could be one of those people, I think. Uh, let's see Wednesday. I was back to my same sub place for lunch. And, uh, here, here's the problem that I had is I had started chapter one, the previous day in terms of adding the evidence, but then I read it from the beginning and started editing it as I was reading it stuff that had nothing to do with the evidence stuff I was putting there. I had to finish it. Um, I couldn't just stop halfway. So I continued through chapter one, added another 197 words to it. Most of it was based on when I read it to my um, writer's club two months ago, three months ago, they gave me the critiques back when I was there last month. So I had that stuff with me. So I, I made some changes based on that. Um, and then let's see, I started, that's where I started expanding. I went in now and started expanding what I had already written for the plot. And I started with chapter two, scene two, <clears throat> adding notes to those chapters that were already written. Um, and how far did I get with that? I don't even know how far I got. I can't even see it in here anywhere. Um, I don't know. I got, 
through a few chapters in the evening uh, i did not watch anything mystery related i was kind of disappointed i uh, didn't do any plotting either because and you're going to start to notice a theme with my next few days uh something had happened at work and i had to spend some of the evening taking care of it um saturday morning we were installing I, i've been working for this company for seven seven months now that's it just seven months i haven't had anything big go into production as of yet i've done a lot of fixing of smaller things helping other people with other things but at the same time i had been working on three different applications that were brand new i keep coughing i'm gonna mute real quick Sorry, I don't know why I keep coughing. Um, well, probably the cupcake that I ate right before we started. That anyway, be, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I had three apps and they were all going into production on Saturday morning. So I went from having zero apps into production to having three. There's a little bit of anxiety in me when I just have one app going into production because now people are going to be using it and they're going to find the bugs. To have three going in was, it was, uh, it was a rough end of the week for me, just anxiety wise. So uh, one of the things was Wednesday evening and I had to make some changes to it. There was some testing done. I had to fix some things and um, yeah, just prepare for this theme. Thursday got pretty frantic as I realized. And for those of you who listen, who are computer programmers, and I know there's at least one, hi, Brian. Uh, I made some branching errors in my source. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What stores my source code? And I overwrote something and it was a whole pain in the butt to get it fixed. Eventually I got it fixed, but it took a lot of my day. And um, I did, I did go to lunch like normal though. Um, started on chapter 10. Now this is the chapters I have not written yet. So now I'm going through my paragraphs that I did Sunday night and I'm expanding them to be more for my story, specifically to my story. So now it goes from like two paragraphs, to maybe four paragraphs, or maybe I've got a whole lot of bullet points and things like that. A lot of the times when I would write questions to myself, as I was doing it Sunday night, I would answer those questions now as I'm going through. Um, I got through the, I got the, all the way through chapter 13. So I got four chapters done that day. And then in the evening, um, later on in the evening, I worked on chapters 14 and 15. Now there's a lot going on in these chapters and they almost work side by side with each other. So I had to do 14, then go back to fifth, go to 15. And as I'm working on 15, go back to 14 and make changes so that they match up together. Um, one thing I'm learning about this is, and I, I, you don't really see this like in a Perot or a murder she wrote, you don't get a lot of scenes from the antagonist's mind, um, especially when you're trying to keep the antagonist secret, but this book does go back and forth quite a lot. And it's really interesting. I love seeing the inner thoughts of the bad guy. Um, that's why I wrote in my first book that I wrote is third person from my hero's point of view, but it's first person from my bad guy's point of view. So as you switch back and forth, you're switching first person to third person. Right, because I, I love the inner thoughts of the the villain. I always do. I want to know what they are. Why are they doing what they're doing? So I've just been a quick search of my of my brain here, and I can't recall a show that changes the POV like that, back and forth between the protagonist and the antagonist. They must be out there, the, but there may be a a kind of a limitation in film where the the reader, not sorry, the viewer needs to put themselves in the place of a particular character and they would find it uh, disconcerting to find themselves being switched back and forth between the protagonist and the antagonist. I, I will say in just about every mystery show that I've watched, especially like Murder, She Wrote or you know these Dick Van Dyke ones I watched, I don't know about Perot so much. I, I, it's been a while since I've watched this. You will always get like one scene of the villain like in the bushes watching the main character. It'll be a short scene, but that does happen, you know, probably, but it probably only happens once or maybe twice at most during the, the hour long show or the two hour long show. So 
Um, but this one switches back and I bet you my, my village so is 31 chapters. There's probably about 40 to 50 scenes right now. I'm sure it'll be more once I'm finished, but I'll bet you 15 of them. I'll bet you a good 25 to 30% of them are from the villains POV. Um, right. I would not be surprised. So, uh, let's see what I do here. Uh, I got through 15. I said, it's a Friday. I worked during the day. I went to hothead right after work. Uh, working through chapter 17 and 18. So I, I know, and I did 16, I think 16 was a shorter chapter, but 17 and 18, same thing as 14 and 15. They kind of work back and forth, two different POVs. And um, there's also this weird thing going on where anytime, so th this, his Udemy video has more than just one POV. It has the villain every now and then, but it also has the love interest a few times, maybe a couple times. But the funny thing about that scene is anytime the love interest is the POV, it always switches to the villain because he's gonna attack the love interest multiple times. So mm -hmm. I love, uh, I did it, it once in my first book and once in my second book, there's one chapter where it flips back and forth between POVs. And I actually spell it out. I'll put the person's name as the, as the break. So the, the reader knows, okay, I'm flipping to this person now. And uh, it happened a lot in this, whenever the villain and the love interest, whenever the love interest is on screen, the villain seems to be there a lot too. So um, it was kind of fun to write. I'm really enjoying it. I don't know how it sounds for me to say it out loud. I don't know if it sounds like it could be confusing or whatever, but in actually getting into the plotting of it, I'm really enjoying the going back and forth. I wrote something today that's going to be really fun to write uh, when I when I get ready to, to finish that chat near the end when I get ready to finish it. So um, the way that I'm the way that I'm describing this is that this book is like a giant Rubik's cube. Um, you have to like make sure that everything fits together right. And you have to keep, I'm going to say turning it. In my case, it means plotting it and making sure you're going back and forth between these chapters to make sure they fit together well. And then you've kind of solved the Rubik's cube. And that's what I'm working on right now. And it's, I want to say it's confusing, but it's really fun. Like, you know, kind of like when I do Wordle in the morning, I can't figure it out. It's really fun, but it's also really confusing sometimes. So, right. Yeah. I have the same problem with what I'm doing now. I have four main POVs in this book I'm, I'm editing. Wow. And to, and basically I have to switch back and forth between them to keep all their stories moving forward at the same time. And I do that pretty much on a scene by scene basis so far. Um, I, towards the end of the book, I think it'll probably naturally and it did naturally in the first draft kind of become all the main characters story, but it, it is, it's a difficult thing to juggle. That reminds me of uh, a book I read like 20 years ago by Larry King called, I believe it's called moon over Manhattan. And it was this story of like these five or six different main characters. They all had their own POVs. They all had their own story. But as the book went on, you could see everything was getting ready to collide. And like the, the last section of the book, probably the, the third act, they're all in the same area. And the climax happens basically with all of them around. It was so good. And I'm pretty sure it was the same Larry King who did the TV show on CNN or whatever it was. That's, um, that's kind of the thing I'm shooting for. So we'll see yeah. how it works. Out. Oh, I'm excited to read it now. Okay, good. Okay. And I won't, I won't um, critique your computer knowledge if you have, okay. computers, so I promise. <laughs> no um, computers. All right. So that night at 9 PM, I had a meeting, a work meeting. There's a, there's a gentleman who lives out in California who used to work with the company. And he wrote like this giant amount of code back in the day that now I'm the one editing. So every now and then I'll call, I'll text him and say, Hey, I need some help. Can you, can you give me an hour? And he says, yeah, but it's gotta be 6 PM Pacific time, which is 9 PM here. So uh, that happened because we were taking two of the three apps I wrote and we were putting them into production Friday night. So that Saturday morning, when we put the, the third one in production, it was all ready to kind of work together. So that took about an hour and a half on Friday night. Um, everything went well. 
Uh, I actually record the team's meetings so that I can refer to them later or write up some standard work later on. So I know how to do it myself um, later. And it went well. I'm very happy. I, I was very anxious going into to Friday, basically, because, again, over the next 48 hours, three apps going into production. And I know there's going to be problems, especially with one of them I wrote in a, a language I'd never used before called React. I just thought, yeah, let me just use React. I've never done it before. So I wrote this app <laughs> in React. And it's an app that it's for customers. It's not internal. It's like everybody around the world can use it. It's got to work properly. Luckily, it doesn't do much, but it's the prettiest app I've ever written. I've never been one to write for pretty. I always write for function because I'm always writing for internal use. So it doesn't have to be pretty, but this right. one is going to customers. It looks a lot like Zillow. It's a really nice looking app and I'm really happy with it. I'm really nervous. It's going to start you to being used tomorrow, you know, full time. So we'll see how tomorrow goes, but um, let's see. That was uh, Friday, <clears throat> Saturday morning, up early, up at 630. Uh, the, we started at seven o'clock moving stuff live for the first two hours. I really didn't have to talk much because it was the other side. There are two different things going into production, my three apps, and then another app done by, um, I don't know, I don't know if you're aware, aware of the, the term Siebel, uh, Siebel is like this giant software package that, that we also use. And, uh, for my third app, the one I was just talking about that, that's pretty Siebel does some stuff. And then my app calls Siebel, they kind of work together. So, um, Siebel went in first, it took about an hour and a half. And then of course, right around 10 AM when it was ready to start testing, um, it broke and it wasn't, luckily it wasn't my app that broke. I was, I feel bad for the Siebel people because now they have to fix it, but it affects my app, my, my app, to, like everything I put into production, all of it worked. It was so happy. It was this giant weight off my shoulder, but there was still one problem that we had to get past. So uh, it was it was only, it was about two thirty in the afternoon when I finally was able to log off. We still hadn't gotten past the problem yet, but we were done because, you know, I felt bad for the the woman who was working on it. Basically, had nine people in a Teams meeting with her that were all being silent as we we're watching her work on her screen. And that's as a computer programmer, that's never how you want to work. You never want people seeing what you're doing because a lot of times you type stuff, you know, isn't going to work and you know, looks ridiculous. You just need to see what happens. Right. And uh, so finally she was like, I can't do this. We need to log off. I'll get back to you tomorrow. And um, so uh, our, our project manager scheduled a meeting for 8am this morning to kind of update us on where she was. So uh, I ended up going to Hothead for about the 19th time last week and um, sat for about two hours there working on chapter 17 and 18, got those finished and then working on chapters 19 and 20, which again, work together. I love this. I love when chapters go from one POV to the next and they cross over with each other and you get to see the inner thoughts of the two characters as they interact. They have that same interaction with each other. I love it. I love reading it. I love writing it. So this work you're doing on these chapters is just expanding which you initially had four or five paragraphs or whatever. Right. It's not I'm taking the full my chapter. Yeah, I'm taking like my two to three paragraphs I wrote on Sunday night and making it four to five paragraphs. And I'm okay. filling in, uh, I'm, I'm answering questions that I asked myself, what should this piece of evidence be? Why are they in this room? You know, things like that. And I'm answering those so that when I go back to write it, it's easier to write. So um, I was on my way home that day and I got a Snapchat message from a friend of mine named Paul. Thank you, Paul. I know you don't listen, but thank you. Anyway, he told me about something called NYC Midnight. It's a 100 word micro fiction, uh, story contest that I have heard of micro fiction. It seems weird to me hundred words. That's it. And it's, it was $27 entry fee. It starts next month. And I entered it. I, I paid the 27 bucks and I signed up for it. Basically, it's really cool what they do too. It reminds me of March Madness is maybe why that's where they're, they're starting it. Well, I guess they're starting it next month, but basically you get put into a bunch of group, a group, 
And then you write your hundred word story that what they do is on the morning of the story, they give you a genre, a action scene and a word. And you have to work those into your hundred word story. You submit it. They take the top 15 from each group, but they critique you get assessments whether or not you win or not. So they will actually write back and assess it for you or critique it for you, which is really cool. I like that a lot. Uh, they take the top 15 in each group and advance to the second round, which is in June. The top eight from that group advance to the finals in July. And then they pay like the top 10 and first prize is like $4,000, which is wow. fan. And it was only 27 bucks to enter. I, I, I missed the early entry fee, which was only $21. So it's not even that much. And it's a hundred words. I could write that. I can go to Hothead and write that out in a day. So. Uh, I'm really excited about this. I, I'm. I'll talk about it on the podcast. You, how long do you have to do it? I believe it's 24 hours. 24 hours. Yeah. So they'll send it to me. I believe it's 8 a.m. Eastern time on a Saturday morning. I think, and then I have to have it in. I believe by 8 a.m. the next day is the way okay. it works. And they do 24 hours because people from all over the world are in it, and they need to have whatever their daylight time is to go ahead right. and write their story. So I think I'm, I'm going to check that out. See what it is. Yeah, I'll link to it in the show notes, and it's in the outline if you want to click it and right. play around. It's it's great. Um, and then I was ready. So I told, I remember I was picking up my dog at my mom and dad's and I was sitting on my, on my mom's, the chair there. And I looked across the room at her and I said, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to crash on the couch the rest of the night. That's what I want to do. It's been so stressful. And I don't mean stressful in a bad way. I was just anxious. That's all. And, um, I just need to just sit and watch some YouTube and then put on something mindless and then fall asleep. So I got home and I checked my fantasy baseball drafts. And then I went over to the couch and about 10 minutes later, I got a text from the guy I work with that said, Hey, they might have a fix to the problem from earlier. Can you sign on and test it? So of course I did. Um, I really like this job that I have. Um, so I'm happy to do it. Uh, I don't know if it's proper etiquette for me to say this or not, but on Friday, they called me out of nowhere and said, Oh, by the way, we're giving you a raise. I've been there seven months. Oh. Um, now they gave everybody raises. Don't get me wrong. But the fact right. that they gave me one, even I haven't been in there a year yet was great. Um, I'm thinking maybe they did it because they knew the stress I had coming and they wanted me to be happy about it. That's probably well, not true. It's, it's nice to know that the company overall is doing well enough that they could give raises yeah. to everybody. Absolutely. And, um, so, uh, so Saturday night I worked from, did I put the time in here? Yeah. Eight to nine 30, uh, working on that. We realized that the solution that she had is not going to work. Um, so she's going to work on it tomorrow. I feel bad for her because she's in India and she was doing this all day during the day yesterday, which is the middle of her night. I think she stayed up all night, which I feel terrible for. Um, but I know she wants to get it done too. She's like the nicest person in the world. I know she wants to get it done too. And, um, so that happened. And then I ended up falling asleep. I don't even know what time it was. I went to bed early. Uh, but then I realized I have an eight o'clock morning meeting this morning and it really wasn't a meeting. It was more of a check-in, you know, Hey, can she let us know how things are? And if she's got stuff for us to do or talk about, we'll do. So at 8 AM, uh, everybody logged in and we didn't get on a team's meeting. It was just open your teams and let's go into the chat. And, uh, she, she was the first person to write. And she said, I, I don't have an update. We're working on it. I'll let you know. And our project manager said, no problem. Just get back to us uh, on Monday. That'll be our number one priority. And then I was going to log off and I got an e I got a note from our um, business analyst who said, Hey, I found a bug. in one of the other things you put up there, it was a bug that we found a couple of days ago and forgot to tell you about. We need to fix it. I said, okay, let's get it fixed. Cause this goes live and this is, this affects our money coming in. So we have to have it fixed. So we sat for about two and a half hours, eight to 10 30 this morning, got it worked out. And now I can truly say that and I'm going to knock on wood. As of, I know right now, everything that I put through is bug free. I'm sure somebody will find something, but everything I put through is bug free. It's working. It's ready to be used. 
and I have this giant weight off my shoulders right now that I'm very excited about going into this week. So, well, you know, considering how many moving parts there were to this oh, yeah. project, it doesn't, you know, the, the stress and anxiety that you had probably wasn't out of line with what was happening. Well, it was more about the fact that it was like the first thing that I'm, I'm putting out there for this new company that I'm working right. for. And it's in a language I've never written before. And by the way, everything that I ever did at my old job for the 12 years, 11 years I was there was internal use. If there was a bug, I could walk to somebody's office and say, give me an hour to fix this. And they'd be like, okay. But with this, it's like, no, people, just random people like you and I throughout the world use this. And I can't go to them and say, Hey, I got a bug. Give me a day to fix it. You know, I, I can't right. do that. So it had to be perfect. Right. And nobody writes bug-free programs. I mean, I know there's bugs no, out there. No. They'll find them and I'll fix them. It's no big deal. Right. So after that, I did go to Panera and continued my plotting. I got all the way through chapter 23. So I have um, nine chapters left, 24 to 31. Is that nine? Yeah, I have nine chapters left. Uh, I'm going to start working on those tomorrow, maybe even tonight. We'll see. Um, and uh, I got home from that. And now we're doing this. And then later on, this is going to be the night now, knock on wood, where I actually sit and relax. The, the night that I wanted last night, I'm going to have that tonight instead. I'm pretty positive she's not going to be working on that thing today just because she stayed up all night. Um, and if she is and she pings me, I'll try to fix it. I want to get it fixed. But um, I hope she doesn't. I hope we can just do it tomorrow instead. So, all right. And that, yeah. Well, sounds like a, it was a busy week. That's for oh, sure. You need so to rest. Busy. Yeah. Yeah. My week was, was uh, strange, but it's quick. And I don't know if it was quick because I was just do, going through my days mindlessly or if it had something to do with the fact that I decided to give up coffee this week. Oh. So I maybe my perception of reality has been distorted a little bit. Or maybe I'm getting back to real reality that I've, you know, always distorted with caffeine. Be. Because I've been a caffeine junkie forever. And it's just, you know, the older you get, the harder it is on your stomach. And you just have to eventually figure out something else to do. So I switched from coffee to tea. Tea just doesn't really do it like coffee does. Um, Sunday night, did a couple of Far Father Browns. Uh, I, after 23 episodes of watching Father Brown, I now realize there's a real formula to what's going on in these shows. Uh, there's somebody gets murdered. Father Brown gets in an argument with the, the inspector who is trying to, uh, you know, take uh, take over the case or trying to find find the murderer. It, that part is becoming a little bit worn out in terms of the fact that they're always clashing. Even though Father Brown eventually always solves it for the inspector. You'd think he eventually would realize that this guy is, you know, a good person to have on his side. But, you know, the writer's room apparently doesn't think that. Uh, Father Brown's life eventually gets uh, in danger in some fashion or another. And then he gets saved by his own wits and imagination. So it, it's... Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I, I hope the show actually evolves a little bit. I'm sure the characters will evolve. If for no other reason, then they're all going to get older. And, you know, in these initial seasons, the character or the, the actor who plays Father Brown is old already. It is his secretary slash parish uh, treasurer or whoever she is. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Monday. I worked on and put together a Facebook ad for the for the podcast, got that thing kicked off. Thought it was stuck in review hell is what I thought because it took almost 24 hours to get it approved. Wow. So, which is at least, I haven't done Facebook ads in a couple of years, but I didn't remember it taking that long. And I thought, well, okay, what did I do wrong here? Right. Why is this thing still hung up? But it eventually got approved. Maybe it's just the fact that people do a lot of this 
structuring and putting together their ads and send them all in on the weekend. It takes them a while to catch up. Um, worked a little bit on the structure of the the book that I'm editing in a couple of places that I've been going through the chapters. They didn't quite line up with what should be happening in that part of the story. So I had to shift them around a bit, but that really didn't take too much time. And then I went to, to Lowe's later in the day for, for some supplies, especially cement board, which I, I need later in the week. Tuesday, I took the day off, or no, I didn't take the day off on Tuesday. Um, I wrote off and on during the day on Tuesday. Didn't do anything, any sustained editing, but by the end of the day, I ended up with 1,350 words, which is oh. my the best amount for the week. So I can't complain about that. Mid-afternoon, my wife went to uh, do something with her sewing guild that she belongs to. So I started watching Good Omens. It's, it's a kind of show that, that she wouldn't be interested in. Watched the first two episodes of it. And in watching that, and the characters, the lead characters, Martin Sheen and David Tennant, Michael Sheen, sorry, and David Tennant, and thinking about Father Brown, I realized that many characters and stories have a set of characteristics that endear them to either the viewer or the reader. And the writer of either the story or the or the show does their best to keep those character those characteristics stable through time so that people can become acquainted with the character, can fall in love with the character, and nothing happens that makes them end up not liking the character for some reason or another. And for long-running shows, I'm thinking, and maybe long-running book series, that's kind of an, maybe an important thing to think about. Do you see what you're writing as being a long-running series? If so, yes, you can have your character evolve and, and grow and such, but whatever characteristics you're aiming to catch the reader with in terms of getting them to latch onto this main character as somebody they can see themselves as, you probably don't want to change those characteristics too much. And a, lot of those, to... a lot of those shows that I watch that are long running, at some point they'll always have someone who was a long running character all of a sudden turn and be the bad guy for that week. And they right. have to kill them off or put them in jail. And it's just because I think that probably the actor wants to leave the show or the actresses leave the show. But right. you're right about that because it always is a surprise when you're like, wait, it's that guy? Right. Well, yeah, that and and probably in those cases, it's not the main character that does the right. turn. Right. Because you think about Miss Marples, you think about Heracote Poirot, you think about you know, the Father Browns, the uh, Sister Bonifaces, and, you know, even the... Even the more gritty stories like Shetland or Midsummer Murders or you know things like that, those characters are pretty stable in terms of the way in which they react to different situations. Yeah. And then that when I started watching Good Omens, because I had been thinking about that earlier, I started to realize watching David Tennant playing the the demon in Good Omens, that he essentially plays the same character in everything he does. He has the same characteristics, the same mannerisms, the same uh, witticism, uh, the same reactions, the same body language, everything. Whether it's this Good Omens, whether it's when he played Doctor Who, uh, when he played Kil Kilgrave in J Jessica, um, oh, I'm blanking on it. Oh, yeah, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Yeah. yeah, they're all the same. I've not seen anything David Tennant played where he wasn't essentially playing him. I guess himself. Mm -hmm. And there was just, you know, the story is packaged around him. 
you know, so I, I, I wonder if that's a conscious decision on his part because he had caught on because I think of Doctor Who. Yeah. And you realize that, that those kinds of characteristics and the way in which he part with other things. Anyways, it just got to me thinking about, you know, how do we structure characters and what, what do we see their relationship is to the reader and, and how can we promote that relationship and keep that relationship stable because the characters are probably what the reader keeps coming back for. And then secondarily, the plot. They're interested in the plot because they're interested in how that's going. The character is going to become involved in that story. Uh, anyways, so, that was just some. So I I love David Tennant in Doctor Who. I have not watched anything else that he's ever done. I just think it was fantastic in Doctor Who. Um, and I love his character. And I'm thinking, you know, I think he left that show because he didn't want to. He he didn't want to get typecast. I think that was him as like that Doctor Who character. That, that but if he's playing that same character, maybe he's doing it on purpose in other. Uh, roles because he knows how popular it was in Doctor Who. Right. And I, I don't want to say he's playing the same character per se, because it's not really the same character, but the characteristics of the character are the same. Like the quirkiness. The quirkiness, right. The the, the weird the weird quips, the, the yeah. odd body language that David Tennant has in terms of you know the way he walks and the way he, he gestures and things. Now it's I want to go some... back and watch season two Doctor Who. Well check out Good Omens too. Good Omens is a good show, at least the first couple episodes that I watched. Uh, I think it is on Amazon Prime. Uh, so that was it for Tuesday, Wednesday. I caught an hour or two of editing spread out throughout the day. I was mostly working on the bathroom remodeling, added 362 words. Thursday, I just spent the whole day working on the remodeling project. The, the mudding is just a messy, dirty job. And once you're done with it, you're, you take a shower and you just want to relax. Right. Probably watched a couple of more Father Browns that night. Friday was more editing in the morning, added, added 382 uh, words. And then again, Saturday, more editing, 623 words added. And Saturday, last night, I actually got off my butt and started hanging that cement board I bought earlier in the week to because I'm going to tile the shower surround for our tub, and that's going to be the backer board for it. And then was this there, morning was... Was there ever any thought to hire someone to do that? Or are you like, do you like doing it? Or is it just... I, I, I like, I like okay. doing it. The thing is, I don't like doing it all day every day right which makes my projects last forever right <laughs> so i we started this project on january 14th so we've been without that bathroom since january 14th we may get it back by mid to end to the end of april sometime you know if we're lucky mm -hmm. but but again we're it's a major project you know you're basically right. building a whole new bathroom right yeah, I could hire. The thing is, the thing that gets me about the hiring, especially for a job like this, to do a remodeling on a master bathroom like that, probably going to cost you somewhere between $30,000, dollars $35,000, some, wow. somewhere in that in that area. Me doing it in terms of just material costs, it'll come in under $5,000. Oh, right. So there's a big difference there. And if you like to do it, which I do, I like to putz, I like to learn new new skills, new hand handiwork. Yeah, I spent my whole life in academics. Uh, was always, you know, working with my brain, but I grew up in a blue collar family. So I learned a lot of these skills early on and how to work with my, with my hands. And for some reason, I never got the same satisfaction working with my brain as I do working with my hands. It's just, it's just strange, but that, that's the way I'm wired. So it's kind, it's kind of, it's fun for me to do. I'm pretty similar there. I work, I, I did the same thing. I work, I, I grew up computers, you know, always at computers doing stuff, programming or whatever I'm doing with it. But my dad is a woodworker and, um, and I love building stuff. I don't, I'm not very good at it, 
but like my deck in my backyard, I built the whole deck by myself. My dad helped me hang the, the footer on the, on the house. And then I did everything else myself. And I really, it's, I really enjoyed it. And I really like what I added a little extension onto it a couple months ago. So, to, so I could walk into my golf simulator from it. And uh, I'm the same way. I really, really enjoy it. But I will say that I would always rather sit at a computer than than do that because I sweat and I don't like to sweat. So. Oh, okay. See, I don't mind sweating. <laughs> That's yeah. the difference between yeah. us, I guess. And then this morning we had church uh, local and in Pasadena uh, by uh, Skype or not by Skype, by YouTube. And then after this podcast, again, I'm going to have to run to the grocery store probably and then uh, do some more Father Brown for the there evening. Oh, no, actually, this evening, we're, it's not going to be Father Brown. I forgot to change this in, in the outline. This evening, we're going to start the ordeal by innocence. Oh, okay. What, yeah. And see what that's like. Let me know. Now, I'm still I'm, I'm still only one episode in. So let me know how okay. it goes. Well, I, I looked at it. It, it looked like it's three episodes, but they yeah. call it a season. So I don't know if they're going to be doing multiple seasons of this show or what. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was puzzled by that, too. It's like a season and it's only they're two hours long. It's almost just like three. You know, it's like a mini series on this. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyways, let me give that a try. See what it's like. OK, good. All right. And in that, terms of. Oh, no, nothing really to talk about in terms of, of new goals for me, same as it's been. Yeah, I don't think, I, I, I know you talked about the books that you read up in your, your stats. I do have um, another book that I started. It's called An Eye for Murder. It's by Libby Fisher Hellman. I swear I saw this and I downloaded this because I was watching the Udemy videos and I started reading the questions and answers. And I thought there was at some point somebody had said, you know, what books were written using this course? And I could swear I saw somebody put this book in there. I don't know if it was the author herself or if it was someone else. And then I went back through the Q and A today and I can't find it anywhere. So I don't know if I just hmm. saw this, is it in the top 20 of murder mysteries? I'm not sure. I don't remember off the top of my head, uh, but it's pretty good. I'm four chapters in. Uh, it was mostly Wednesday and Thursday night that I read it. And uh, it's it's very fast moving. I believe there's already been two bodies to the first four chapters. And it's, it's very, um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, what's the national treasure where there's like clues Right. Um, but it's not quite like that, but they're the clues that are out there. She's really doing a good job of like sprinkling in these clues that they refer to. And you're like, well, is that important? I don't know if that's important. So uh, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's going to take me a lot longer. I can't read it. You know, I don't read as fast as you do. Um, and uh, so it's, it's definitely going to take me a little bit longer to read, but it's a short one. I think it's 320 pages, so it's not too bad. Um, yeah. And then I'll update my page count as I go and I'll see if I can get anywhere near close to where you're going to end up at the end of the did, year. So. Did you see that uh, Nicholas Cage has a new movie out where he plays himself? No. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's supposed to be hilarious. Well, I don't know if hilarious, but it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a good movie. I Is can't remember like the a, title. a cartoon version of himself, like an exaggerated version. Uh, I would assume so if it's going to be funny. Yeah. It's it's well, the title itself is funny. Let me see here if I can pull it up. Yeah, there was, it's, I think James Vanderbeek was, would do that every now and then. I think it was James Vanderbeek. He would do that every now and then. He would play, he was in a sitcom, uh, Apartment 3B or something like that, where he played like an exaggerated, like just jerk version of himself. And it was really funny. Right. And I love well, the actors who will do that. The The title of the movie I just found was hilarious, especially for a movie that's starring Nick Cage. And the title is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. So this is definitely a kind of a spoof of himself. Comedy. I, think, I think so. In fact, uh, from, from what I read someplace, uh, it took the showrunner a long time to convince him to actually do this movie because wow. it was going to be such a, a parody of himself. Nice. Well, but, you know, I, I remember years and years ago going down to one of the 
uh, graveyards in New Orleans. And there was a graveyard there. I can't remember which one it is. But, you know, all the graveyards in, in New Orleans are above ground. So people don't don't get buried underground. They get buried oh. above ground in crypts or mausoleums or something like that. And Nicolas Cage, years and years ago, when he was young still, maybe in his 30s or so, he had his mausoleum built. And his mausoleum is built like a pyramid. It looks like something you would see on a dollar bill or, or Freemasons or whatever. And it's just so weird looking in this in this uh, graveyard that this guy is like some kind of an extraterrestrial. And this is going to be where he gets buried and gets beamed back up, back up to his mother ship or something. I love it. Oh, I love it. That, that yeah. sounds like it's going to be fun to see them. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So where was I at? I'm going to jump all the way to my goals. And I really just the book is the only one that I have there. Um, so moving further into my news, um, Amazon ads are out there. Uh, I have about 1800 clicks. Um, I'm sorry, impressions. I'd love to have 1800 clicks, 1800 impressions. And I have two clicks. So I'm at one every 900. That is more like the numbers I was hoping to see before I was getting one every 200 with the last batch of ads. So I have no sales, nothing on there. I have had page reads though. So I'm still wondering about that. Uh, I still don't trust Amazon's dashboard. Um, but uh, I do have two clicks out of, out of, uh, out of 1800. It's funny because one of them is one click in 70 impressions and the other one is one click in 58 impressions. So that's really good. Um, but I would love to see some sales come on there on the actual dashboard here. And right now I'm not seeing that. I'm wondering if it has to do with the fact that I changed it from 25 cents down to 20. One thing I, I accidentally over Christmas two years ago, I think it was created a bunch of ads and I forgot to change the default bid. So some of them were coming in at like a dollar 25 and I got a bunch of clicks on those and some sales on those too. I just wasn't making any money because I was paying so much for the click. And right. I, it makes me think that the, the ads that cost more money are sent to the people more likely to buy books, um, which I don't know if that's true or not. That's the cynical, um, what a conspiracy theorist in me coming out. But, um, but it seems like the, the less I pay for the ads, the less clicks I have. Like that ratio is higher. I might go in and change these all to 25 cents uh, over the next couple of days and just see if that changes anything. Right. Well, I always wondered how specific their algorithms were in terms of divvying up who they sent the advertisements to. Uh, and what I'm thinking about is that obviously what they would want to to know within Amazon is who are high value targets in terms of us advertising and them reacting to that. And if you're willing to pay that for a click, then they're obviously going to send you towards those high value targets because they want to keep collecting your money. People who pay less may just go to lower value targets and it may not really matter whether it's they will click on book links or not click on book links tv links or not click TV links i don't know how specific you get with that it seems like it would be a nightmare to want to hash it down you know too detailed on their end but yeah well, well the conspiracy theorist to me says if they can take a person somebody who's who's a dollar 25 for their ad and then deliver it to somebody who's most likely going to buy it amazon's making money both sides of that now because they're making money on the book sale and the dollar 25 ad oh sure but um you know you'd think they'd want to figure out a way to allow the author to be happy to continue using their service. So I, I don't know, like I, I agree with you, but Amazon makes a lot of money and they know what they're doing. So. Right. right. And I, they make uh, it all, they make it all on the advertising side. They don't make anything on the, the uh, sale of books. I think that that branch is, is a runs in the red every year. 
but it's a, it's a way to collect that advertising money. Correct. You know? Right. Correct. Yeah. It's like my, the reason my, my, I, I can go to AT&T right now and trade in my cell phone for free and get the latest model because they know that I'm going to pay them every month to use it. Right. Um, yeah. So, right. okay. Uh, that's really all I have for news. I really don't, I, I don't have, it was a, just a busy week all around this week. So I didn't get in anything else. Okay. Well, I, I've got some big news this week. Uh, after a lot of soul search, I know we've talked the last few weeks about whether or not I was going to just go ahead and put this book out without it going through a professional editor or not. I finally decided on Monday for, and I don't know why, but it just hit me like a thunderbolt that, you know, I just got to get, I should run this through a professional letter if for no other reason to make sure I'm not doing something really stupid with Rose and the way in which I'm structuring it. Because I do a lot of setting development and a lot of trying to get uh, the reader, trying to get a reader to feel like they're actually in the scene. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't overdoing it. I didn't want to be prosing it. Right. Is really what it boils down to. So I went ahead and I booked an editor. And uh, you might be familiar with it. Her name rhymes with See the Door. Wait, did you get my editor? I did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yay. Yeah, she's the best. Did yeah, you, I'm yeah. Glad, I'm glad to know she's still editing. I haven't talked to her in so long. I need to email her and say hello. Yeah, in fact, she is, man, she is super professional. I sent off the mail. I heard back from her within 15, 20 minutes. Uh, she offered to do a free, you know, free sample edit. So I sent her the first scene of the book. She got that back to me within an hour or so. And yeah, we scheduled up. I'm going to get her the book on uh, April 27th. And that gives me that stick I was talking about that I need somebody right. in head in order to get this thing finished because... Although I would probably let it slide because I can live with that kind of thing. I'm not going to disappoint or let down another professional. Right. Uh, so. so I have questions. Um, yes. Number one, how's she doing? Fine, as far as I can tell. I mean, you know, we didn't have a personal conversation okay. at all. That, that'll probably talk, come later. Did you talk about me at all? No. Oh, actually, I did. I did mention you. I said that, I said that you were, uh, that I had been referred to her by you. Okay. And, you know, it's really because I heard you, you and Lindsay talking about her all the time on the podcast. Yeah, her link is in the show notes every week. So anybody that needs a really good editor, she's really good. And she is professional. Absolutely. She's really good. Um, and then number three, at some point, you'll have to tell me what Netflix shows she, re she recommends to you. Because we had so many conversations about Netflix shows. Just okay. it'll be a Friday night and we're just emailing back and forth about Netflix shows. So, yeah, she's very, she's very, very nice. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's one comment I was going to make about anybody out there who is looking for an editor. Something to think about. I've, I've used a couple of different editors before CD or C as she goes by. C, yeah. Um, and some were more professional than others. The ones that seem to be more professional have either come out of the big houses that no longer have, you know, jobs in publishing, or as in, in C's case, they were journalists at one point. And I think I was thinking about this. What you want to do when you hire somebody for anything is you want them to be have had experience meeting deadlines and nobody meets deadlines like journalists that's yeah. all they do and i think that's one reason why she is so responsive and is so quick to turn around on emails and things like that is because you know she's been at least on her bio she said she spent 20 years as a journalist in i don't know some outrageous number of countries yeah 65 countries or something like that i know the and, last time i talked to her she was moving to brazil Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, it was in 2020 during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, it was it's really interesting because, you know, the the scene I sent her, I think I may have 
read an excerpt from that on the podcast. Uh, it was, you know, set, it was setting the scene in a Caribbean island. And at the end of it, and I used the name of the island, it's St. Colette, it was a fictitious island. And she, and she, uh, when she wrote back to me, she said, you know, great writing, you know, you, you, you really, uh, it's very atmospheric, you really get pull the reader in. But, you know, what islands, I lived down there for, for a while, I don't recognize where this is. And I go, well, you know, I kind of loosely am, am patterning it off of uh, St. Bart's, but uh, I didn't want to get too specific because I didn't want to be held to geography and, right. you know, distances between places and stuff like that. Yeah, and she thought that was probably a smart move. So, yeah, that's my big news of, of, that's exciting. of the week. Yeah, so I, I'm actually going to get this book edited and done by the end of April. I'm so happy to know that she's still editing because I'm going to get a hold of her when it, when my murder mystery is close. Right. So I'm be very happy. You yeah. Remember, you said you hadn't talked to her for a while. And the other thing I was thinking about a little bit uh, once I got this editor nailed down is I started to think a little bit about what my release strategy is going to be. And I was um, reading some things on fa Facebook. I think it was in Wide for the Win group or it may have been 20 books. Uh, Kevin Partner, who is writes a lot and has a lot of stories out there. He talks about his writing strategy and what he does is he writes all year from J january through september or to september will write two th three four books he i think he's he's targets releasing four books a year and then he starts releasing in october and then releases every four to six weeks so he's basically banking the books releasing them into the time of year where there people have the most sales mostly and where people are looking for books for presents and things like that right and i'm thinking you know, you know i might try that this year i might just i might just hold back on these not publish them and just try to do a a almost i guess a semi-fast release not really fast how but, many uh well if i follow through on what my rough schedule is by the time i start release the first one i will have three completely done nice and i'll be working on a fourth and the fourth can then come at the end of right. that period which i think is basically what he does um, he doesn't have them all done before he starts releasing but three quarters of them something like that so we'll nice. see what we'll see what happens yeah that's exciting that's yeah, that's almost yeah. what do they call that a rapid release that's kind of a rapid release would rapid you release. How, every how often would you release it well he's releasing every six weeks i think okay now if, if you release every six weeks on four books that's going to put you on the other side of christmas yeah so if you start october one so i was thinking well maybe you could do that every five to six weeks but you'd really have to start like september one something right. like that of is course it, if you if you do push it to the other side of Christmas and you're picking up all those people who got new Kindles and got Amazon gift cards and things like that. I mean, by then, if you wanted to, you could put it in a box set, you know, right around Christmas, True. like you could, and, and, uh, and try to capitalize on that. Isn't it, doesn't Amazon have like, isn't it the 28 day cliff? Like you should release every 28 days. Well, it was like, people talked about that, you know, some time ago, I don't know what it is currently. And, you know, yeah, some people say that, that, uh, organic push that you would get early on in the release may not exist anymore anyways. Um, before I move on into my running list of future things to do, which is going to be boring because I say the same things every week, I saw on Facebook that the six-figure authors are stopping their podcast. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yes. They've, uh, they've gotten bored with it, I think. 
yeah what it boils so. down to <laughs> yeah well um, and it's and I, I tell you to tell you the truth a number of months ago i started thinking oh they're just repeating themselves yes. over and over again yes i started thinking because i have i don't i listen on and off over the last few months i really like uh, uh them and i like i've met one i've met lindsey baroker a couple times and i really like her and um but when you do a podcast about writing tips you, you or, or or marketing tips or, or whatever you can only say the same thing so many times before you start saying it over and over again you, right. you kind of run out of content so right. uh, i'm not surprised but I, I i know Lindsay likes the podcast i wouldn't be surprised if if she came back doing something else at some point probably the same thing maybe not the same thing but something a little different but i wouldn't be surprised right um right. she could probably do that brandon sanderson uh kickstarter thing to at a smaller level and do probably pretty well i would think so she's got to have quite a mailing list yeah i would suspect Okay, so in terms of my running list of future things to do, uh, hire someone for SEO. I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. With the I, we're running these Facebook ads for the podcast. I think what I might do is is instead look at some Yoast videos on uh, YouTube. Yoast is the the plugin that I use on the on the podcast site to, you know, add keywords and add all add all that good stuff. So I may I may substitute that with do something. I have a note in my phone to look at a Yoast video, so I may I, I may sub it. Um, I also need to get screen doors. I need to get two now, one for my back door with a doggy door and one I think for my golf simulator. I need to get a door in that golf simulator next. That way I can lock it up. I want to mount my projector back there and I can lock it up and maybe throw a, a, a ring camera back there just to detect motion. Uh, did did you get that fourth wall built? I did. The fourth wall was built a couple of weeks ago. It's amazing in there. It's I could walk back in there. It'd be cold in there. It's 25 degrees outside. It'd be cold in there, but no wind. Um, I have a blanket hanging over the doorway right now and, and uh, which allows a little bit of light in. But with the with the fourth wall up and that blanket hanging up, keeping most of the light out, the projector looks amazing. I just mm. love it in there. I wish, wish it would warm up about 20 degrees, which it probably will later this week. So uh, I'll spend a lot of time in there in the coming months um, as we warm up up here in Ohio. So. Uh, am I addicted to now? This isn't necessarily an addicted to, but it is something that I want to throw out there. Um, this, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I've been re-listening to the story grid podcast and, uh, the story grid podcast from February 17, 2016, the title of it is, can I just rip off Harry Potter is one of my favorite episodes. It's where Tim basically asked Sean, why can't I just story grid Harry Potter and then write my book based on the exact same scenes, but change everything to be my own story. And, and I'm thinking, that's a great question. I didn't know what Sean was going to say. And his answer was, yes, you should do that. You'll write a really good book if you do that. It's a great episode to listen to. And I'm going to, I'll link to it in the show notes. I can't, uh, I can't uh, uh, throw it out there enough as for someone to listen to. And in fact, the episode I started listening to today is all about the story grid. It's the next episode. I would listen to both of them. They're really good. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I heard that one in that. I'd like to, I think I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I recommend. That's where I, was. I can't recommend it enough. It's really good to listen to. And I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, and then you can go back and listen to it if you want to. Uh, my addicted to is just Father Brown, and now I think Good Omens. Uh, they are in the second season of Good Omens, so there's probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 episodes. And from what I've seen on Twitter, uh, Neil Gaiman's open to continuing the series. He said there's still a lot of material that he can work with there. So we'll, let's see. I, I think I'll keep doing that. I have to find time to watch it when my wife's not around. But, you know, that's okay. I don't even read much of Neil Gaiman's work or not, but uh, I enjoy his work. It's a, it's a little bit quirky. It's a little bit dark. Um, I really enjoyed uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which was really good. It was a short book, uh, but I've all, I read that. I read American Gods, 
which is another good book, really interesting. And what, one thing that occurred to me, and he'd probably hate this if he, if he heard this, because it might be true, is that both Good Omens and American Gods remind me so much of Douglas Adams' Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, where the whole premise of the book is that there are currently gods living among us, but we just don't recognize them anymore because we don't want to. And that's, that's kind of what what both these good omens and, and certain gods is all about. Um, and Neil, Neil uh, Gaiman has some really good nonfiction out there too. Uh, a quasi nonfiction book he has out as on North, Norse mythology, which he kind of rewrote some of the Norse myths. And then he's got a book of uh, nonfiction essays that he's done. Uh, I guess, I think maybe for magazines or, or some paper that's really good. I think uh, it's called View from the Cheap Seats. Oh, which I like really, that. <laughs> which yeah. is really nice. So I guess maybe if I have to point at something that's an addiction, it's probably Neil Gaiman at the moment. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. All right, so coming up for me this week, um, again, Monday is usually my writing day off, meaning I don't go somewhere and write at lunch or after work, but um, – but I still could plot in the evening. I mean, I, I do enjoy kind of getting on the couch at you know eight, nine o'clock and firing up something on the TV and then just kind of go through, even if it's just one chapter, just get something done while I'm watching YouTube or I'm watching TV or whatever it is. So uh, that is something I could do Monday night. I could do that tonight also. I probably will do that tonight uh, as I just sit and relax. Tuesday, uh, treadmill at lunch and then hothead in the evening to continue plotting. Uh, my goal for this week is to get through 31 chapters. So that I'll start working on, I, I guess I'm on chapter 24 starting to uh, Tuesday uh, or well, I guess tonight, if I start tonight, but uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I'll write at lunch at my favorite little sub place here in town. Don't know what I'll do afterward. Um, sometimes I get a, a bit of a bee in my bonnet to drive to hothead on a Thursday night and, uh, and sit and write uh, Friday treadmill at lunch, hothead at night, continue what I'm doing Saturday, Chick-fil-A. Hopefully by Saturday, I've got those 31 chapters finished. And, uh, and I'll get to what I'm going to do after that next. And then I do have plans in the evening, downtown Cleveland to go to some play with a bunch of people I used to work with at my old job, who I'm still friends with, who I get to see a couple times a year. Um, so that should be fun. What play? Oh, uh, uh, it's something to do with Alice in Wonderland. I don't know if it's a play or an experience or what it is, but, um, it's something to do with Alice in Wonderland. Uh, and then Sunday, I'm going to go to Panera in the morning. And all of these things are subject to change as they always are, because something usually screws up my week and I have to figure it out. So if I, I might go to Hothead Monday night or Thursday night, not go Friday. We're going to have a card game Friday because we're doing that now more. So who knows? But that's kind of what my schedule is. And we'll just see how I kind of veer off of it. Uh, goal for this week is to get through these 31 chapters of the, the expansion of my plot. And after I do that, I'm going to actually start back to at the beginning. I'm going to go through it one more time. I'm going to go through the plotting one more time. This time I'm going to make sure that the everything lines up in terms of like the timing. You know, most of my story takes place in the middle of the night because my characters are working an overnight shift at a, at a manufacturing plant. So all of the characters that they're dealing with are also the overnight third shift employees. So when doing that, I have to make sure that the sleep schedules work out right for everyone. My, my love interest works an afternoon shift at a hotel, then she works the overnight shift at the plant. So I have to make sure that those times work out because like I said earlier, she gets attacked a couple of times. There's a couple of scenes with the, 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 the protagonists uh, where, where, you know, their, their relationship gets better. And, um, and I, so I have to make sure that all those things work out. 
I also um, need to update some of the cells in my story grid, like the description of the chapter, the POV, things that I can actually put in before the draft is written. Um, so that's what I'm going to do as I go through it uh, a third time, starting sometime this week, once I get through the, the 31 chapters the first time. So I don't think I'll get through all of that by the end of the week. If I had to set a goal for myself, it would be finish the 31 chapters of this current, what I'm working on now, and then get started on the rest of it and try to get done by the end of the week. I don't know if I will or not though. Um, and, and that's kind of where I am. Well, my big goal for the week is I'm going to try to push through 10 chapters of editing, uh, editing in the morning. And then usually in the afternoons, I work at some on the remodeling or out in the yard, depending on what the weather's like and you know what I feel like at the time. And then in the evening, just doing some reading, usually maybe a little bit more editing. Actually, what I find myself doing more and more in the evening is after I've edited in the morning, I take those chapters or those sections that I've edited and I run them through, uh, what is this program? I keep on forgetting. Pro Writing, Pro Writing Aid. Aid. Yeah. And uh, I make the, uh, the the silly little changes that need to be made. Uh, I, I really shy away from making specific goals day by day because although I'd like to do that kind of thing, I just never, I never stick to it. I, I'm kind of loosey goosey. I wake up in the mornings and I ask myself, oh, what, what do you feel like doing today? And that's what I do. <laughs> so, Mine are more, I, think, I think that's what happens when you get out of the work world for yeah. a couple of years, you realize, you know, I don't have to stick to a schedule. So you don't really have one. Mine are more, I like, I like making the year long goals, but they're more like things I want to get done. Not necessarily a goal. It's just, yeah, right. here's 20 things. And if I get 10 done, I had a good year. The, the weekly one I just do just to kind of give myself something to shoot for. But again, if I don't hit it, I don't care. I'm a man. Like you said, I'm answering to myself. Who cares? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you've, since you've got your work, that can really intrude at any time. It yeah. makes it more difficult. Like it did this past week. Oh, this week. Holy cow. Okay, I've got a little snippet here that I'd like to to read. One of the best things I wrote this week. This is actually one of the best things I've edited. Uh, this comes at the beginning of the chapter, so it's the opening paragraph in the chapter where the main character, Megan Lark, will eventually in this chapter end up meeting one of the, I guess by the Udemy video, it would be called a contagonist. It's not the main antagonist, but it's kind of one of the henchmen kind of thing. So this is, this is her traveling uh, to the place where she'll eventually meet up with this person. The sun had just dipped below the shimmering horizon when the Island Express shuttle, steam seeping from the edges of its crumpled hood, clawed the last hundred yards to the top of a ridge overlooking the ocean. Megan strained to see through the dust-caked windshield that served as a graveyard for an amazing diverse collection of tropical insects. Ahead, nestled among the second-growth mahogany and jacaruba, were the remains of a French colonial plantation house headquarters for the St. Colette Ecological Preserve. Its stucco facade glowed in the waning daylight, reminding her of an ancient Aztec temple reclaimed from the jungle and brooding over the loss of its glorious past. It's so descriptive. I think every time somebody reads like, you're like this every week. And then I got a guy that I have a writer's club with, Dan is like this, whenever he reads anything he wrote, it's like, I wish I could be that good at writing descriptions. It does not, maybe it's because I write it and it doesn't sound good to me. But every time you read like something like this, it just sounds so good. Well, one of the things that I find when I write these kinds of sections, as I go through and I write on the first draft, I write them very sparsely. So, you know, the first draft of this would be, yeah, the sun had just gone below the horizon when the shuttle reached the top of the ridge and the top of the ridge overlooking the ocean. And, you know, she was looking through the, the dusty windshield at the at the house or whatever. 
And then I go back and I think, well, you know, what would this really look like? You know, try to put myself in the place of a person in that situation. And I try to pick up both. Typically, I pick up site details, which I know everybody does, but I try to the best I can bring in some of the other senses, taste, smell, touch uh, while I'm doing it. This one here is just basically all site. It's good. It's, it's really good. So I don't have anything to read um, this week because I didn't really write anything. Um, basically, everything I did was plotting. Um, and I, I don't really have, I, I was going to talk about maybe something that I did between a couple of different chapters here, but I just, it's not there yet. I think I have to go through it one more time to, um, to actually have something good to read. So I just don't have anything this week. I don't, I don't know what, if anybody listening is interested or not, but I'd be interested in hearing what one of your one paragraph descriptions for a chapter is like, just a random one. Okay, Just to see so what kind of detail you're putting in there. I'll find a short one. Okay, here's a short one. This is chapter 19. So this is, okay, so the, the antagonist, he, he killed somebody and he tried to set them up after killing them to look like the person who's guilty. That was his whole plan. So here's what I wrote. <clears throat> this is chapter 19. Time to show that Ben's attempt to bring them down another path has failed, them being the, uh, the protagonist. He's in the bushes listening. The cops show up. He could overhear a bunch of stuff here, the stuff below. I don't know what that means. And he also overhears that they know it's a murder. Uh, he learns. He also learns that Rich, not you, has been talking with Sam and Carly and Linus in parentheses based on the setup they did in chapter 15. This set makes him more concerned he will be identified. He's a liability. His world is closing in around him. His plan is to make Christine look like, his plan to make Christine look like the murder has failed. Three failed attempts at Danny and now Rich is talking. This isn't good. This could be a short chapter that shows his state of mind. Oh, that's, that's good. Okay. okay. I, I can see where you're going with when you're doing these now. Yeah. You really are fleshing out an entire chapter beginning to end. And basically all you have to do is just expand all those lines, push them out, you know, to the beginning and end of the chapter, spread them out and then just fill in between. That's, and that's yeah. pretty, that's how I wrote my first book too, where okay. I wrote like two, I wrote a, a paragraph on a note card. And then when I was done, I copied the note cards into each chapter. I believe I did it in Noveler. And then I went through and I expanded the one paragraph to like three or four. And I went through all through. So I had like 18, I think I had 38 pages of a plot when I was done with 59 chapters, I think it was. And then I, that's what I wrote from. I would go in there and I would kind of move it down to the bottom and I would move pieces of it up and I would rewrite that piece. Then I'd move the next piece up and rewrite that piece. That's okay. probably what I'll do here too. So, yeah. It's a good thing you mentioned Noveler because I wanted to, to touch base with that uh, today. I went back and looked at my account and I was off base. I never had a lifetime subscription to that. It was, it was year by year. And okay. I don't know, I was thinking of some other program. Uh, so yeah, the, the hundred dollars for a year is basically what I was doing at the time. Okay. Okay. So right now I'm doing $10 a month on it, but who knows? I mean, I could do it for the next five years if Atticus didn't get its act together, or I could do it for six months if Atticus made a bunch of changes and right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. All right. What else? That's all we have actually. Oh, that's the yep. podcast. All that's right. It. So do you, do you have anything else? No, I'm done. All right. Well, if you want to find, uh, find me, you want to contact me, you can find my website, jerryevanoff.com. Uh, jerry at jerryevanoff.com is my email address. You can find me on Twitter, jerryE25. I'm on Facebook, Jerry Evanoff author. Uh, if you like what Rich and I do here, then again, just like I did with Lindsay, any money that comes into the buy me a coffee will be sent, uh, cut, 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 
a contribution to the dinner that Rich and myself and possibly Lindsay will have next time we're together, um, which is which will be good. Um, I am on Snapchat and I am on Instagram, even though I don't do much on Instagram. I do everything on Snapchat, so you can definitely find me there. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Um, yeah, that's how you can contact me. Okay, you can find me at uh, or email me at rich at richcasey.com or find me on Facebook at Rich Casey author. And one of these weeks I'll have a website too. <laughs> one of these weeks. Um, I am going to get Lindsay on the podcast in the next few weeks. I think I'm going to try to see if she wants to come on. Um, I would love to find out what she's doing now. She talked to me about something a couple weeks ago. She told me she had a great idea for writing. And when she starts up again, she wants to run it by me. So maybe I'll have her run it by us on the podcast. That could be, oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I'm also going to send along this hundred word fiction thing to her and see if it's something she'd be interested in doing. So yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Um, as always, thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the new author podcast. Check back next week for another episode. And for more information, find Jerry at www.jerryevanoff.com and Lindsay at www.lindsayevanoff.com. 